Welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Jade Belexa. Thank you for joining us. Besides skin cancer, prostate cancer is the most common cancer in men. That's according to the American Cancer Society. Treatment has come a long way. Hematologist and oncologist Samit Master and radiation oncologist Sanford Katz of Willis-Knighton Health System are here now. Thank you doctors for joining the program. Thanks for having us, Jay. Absolutely. Well, remember to call in with your questions at 318-219-4569. We'd love to hear from you. Well, Dr. Master, can endocrine therapy help in treating prostate cancer? Certainly. Uh, prostate cancer is the cancer that gets fueled by the testosterone, the male hormone. So endocrine therapy or the hormone blocker therapy, it's kind of the backbone of the pr prostate cancer and a lot of other treatments for advanced prostate cancer are kind of layered on top of this endocrine hormonal therapy. So yeah, that is one of the main things that we treat these prostate cancers with. Um, there are some things on the internet that kind of puts people down against it, but it is very important, it is manageable. Um, I have had patients who have been running 10Ks and taking care of their grandkids on hormonal therapy, living for years. So it's manageable and it is very important for prostate cancer management. Mm -hmm. So tell us, what are some of the recent advances in treating prostate cancer? Well, it's a very exciting time right now, Jade, because you know targeted therapy or individualized therapy is really all the rage in, in a lot of different cancers, but in particularly in prostate cancer. And what we're able to do is we're able to selectively deliver the treatment not only to the prostate gland, let's say, but to some of the lymph nodes or wherever the prostate cancer may have spread. But before we even do that, we have to first discover the prostate cancer and we want to find it at its earliest stages. So screening is really important. And how we treat prostate cancer really depends upon how advanced it is. So we obviously, whenever you're talking about cancer, you want to catch it early. And the best way to do that is with screening. And, and the way that we screen typically is with a PSA test, which is a blood test that your primary care physician can, can order. And so when we're talking about treating, uh, let's say an early stage prostate cancer, targeting that cancer, we may just need to treat the prostate gland and not need any systemic therapy, not need hormonal therapy. And in those cases, typically the primary treatments are surgery or radiation, both of which just target that prostate very specifically. And Dr. Master, who is at risk for prostate cancer? Well, the risk of ca prostate cancer happens in men as they grow older. So age is one of the risk factors. Uh, family history is important. Like if you have a brother or a father had prostate cancer, then your risk increases, especially if they had it when they were less than 60 years of age. Um, ethnicity is another big thing. Um, we have seen more prostate cancers in uh, patients with African-American descent. Okay, So those are some of the risk factors. And then there are some genetics, like if you have your family history of breast cancer in your female relatives, those are all the risk factors that can cause increased risk of prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. So there is precision medicine. So let's talk more about individualizing the care. When, when does one need to do that? Right. 
So we can actually can de determine the risk factors that people have for having disease perhaps a little bit more advanced. And then we have imaging that's very, very precise and very sensitive to, to determining if the prostate cancer is localized or perhaps it's a little bit more advanced and needs more aggressive care. The other thing that we have now is the ability to test specifically the tumor and to look for specific mutations in that tumor that would predict for a more aggressive course. And then in response to that, we can design our treatment to be perhaps a little bit more aggressive or a little bit more specific. Um, there's also tests even in the urine. You can check the urine and that can help to predict the likelihood of having a more aggressive cancer and that can even help to the urologist determine whether or not someone needs a biopsy or doesn't need a biopsy. Um, so being able to determine exactly what kind of treatment that particular patient needs enables us to not only treat the cancer better and give you know, greater chances for cure, but also to limit the side effects as well of treatment so that people don't get, let's say, more aggressive treatment than they need, or let's say they don't get treatment that's not aggressive enough. Mm -hmm. Wow, um, and so genetics are being used to tailor different prostate cancer treatment strategies too. How, how does that work? Well, we're talking specifically about the genetics of the tumor because the tumor itself has mutations which made it turn into cancer in the first place. And so depending on what those genetic mutations are, that can tell us how aggressive the cancer is and how we should treat it, whether we need to add hormone therapy, as Dr. Master discussed, or whether we don't need to add that, whether we need to, um, maybe we need to not do surgery because the likelihood is that cancer might be a little bit more aggressive and may have spread. So the genetics of the tumor is very, very helpful. And usually those mutations are only found in the tumor, not inside the patient. So we don't need to check the patient's genetics, just the tumor's genetics. Oh, I see, okay. So with hormone therapy, Dr. Master, can, can that delay the progress of the tumor? Um, it all depends on the stage of the tumor and where we find it. Like as Dr. Katz said, if it's a very early stage, they can get away with surgery that's possible in low risk. But when we go to like localized, but uh, locally localized, but still having high risk features, then we can definitely add hormonal therapy to slow down the, and cure the cancer. Uh, when we go to the advanced stages, that's when um, they need a hormonal therapy for pretty much everyone uh, to slow down the process and control the cancer. Do you see hormone therapy preventing prostate cancer at all? I, I don't think so. There is any hormonal therapy that can prevent prostate cancer. The best way to prevent uh, is there is no such preventive measures, but there were some data that heavy weight or obesity can increase the risk. So that's something a healthy lifestyle uh, would be something that w I would like to promote. Um, but uh, if you have a family history, if you are at a higher risk, talk to your GP and get screened as Dr. Katz said. Mm -hmm. So let's move right along here to, to AI. Does, does that enhance prostate cancer diagnosis and, and treatment? Well, I wouldn't say AI or artificial intelligence necessarily helps, but we do have certain paradigms or guidelines that we use that are standardized. And AI would perhaps follow those guidelines because those guidelines are all based upon um, studies, you know, well-controlled national studies, and experts set these guidelines. And we all try to, to follow them, but at the same time, we have to tailor them to the patient specifically. 
um, the guidelines that we follow are really very helpful because we're able to um, characterize people's cancers as either, let's say, very low risk, which might not need immediate treatment. Um, they might be low risk, which could be observation or treatment. And then, you know, if they have, let's say, an intermediate risk, a high intermediate, low intermediate risk, perhaps in those situations, they definitely need treatment. And surgery or radiation therapy are both very good treatment options. And in both cases, again, we can, we can really target that prostate really specifically. And generally, the side effects, particularly when we're talking about radiation, very, very limited. Patients come for just a short time each day, maybe 30 minutes. They come for a number of treatments that may last a number of weeks. Uh, but most of the patients are able to work, carry on their regular activities with really very little interference in their, in their daily lives. Um, the, uh, when we get into the more advanced cancers, that's when we're talking about integrating hormone therapy or, or certain medicines. Mm -hmm. So it's the guidelines that are really very, very important. And, and AI may be helpful in helping to select out those patients who perhaps are a little bit on the fence. Maybe, maybe they're somewhere in between like an, an intermediate or, or a high risk. And we're not, you know, you could go either way, but the AI might be able to help us a little bit with some of the specifics, like the genetic testing that we, we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. So, and MRI technology has, has certainly evolved. What type of MRI is being used in prostate cancer management? Yeah, well, as, the, as a therapeutic radiologist, I guess I'll take this question. Yeah. So the, uh, the MRI is very, very helpful in a few ways. Uh, one way is it helps to direct the prostate biopsies. So when somebody tests positive, let's say on a PSA, which is not diagnostic, just it helps us to, to zero in on those patients who might have prostate cancer. Uh, the next step is a biopsy. And so you want to make sure that when you're biopsying the prostate gland that you're biopsying the right spots and that you don't miss. It. So we generally will do multiple biopsies, and that's done by the urologist. But the MRI can help them because they can see specific areas in the prostate that might be abnormal, and then they can direct extra biopsies to those areas. So it really helps with the, uh, with the accuracy of that biopsy. The other way it's very helpful is for those people who are appropriate candidates and opt for observation, which means that, yeah, the prostate cancer is there. It may not be growing that quickly. They're, maybe they're older. They have other health problems. There might not be an immediate need to treat that prostate cancer, but we're going to follow it very, very closely. And one of the things that is often done is to use the MRI along with the blood tests and, and whatnot, the PSA following it, and maybe additional biopsies, but using that MRI to also really image that prostate gland and make sure nothing's happening during that imaging period, during that observation period. Okay. So uh, tell us about therapeutic radionucleotides and how they're used to treat cancer. What are they and how are they administered? Yeah, so um, first off, one of the most exciting things uh, in prostate cancer now is the ability to specifically look for prostate cancer cells that might be circulating around in the body and deposited in, in other areas, whether they be in organs or in bones, where previously we, we didn't really have good scans to, to, to know whether the, cancer, the prostate cancer had spread. And so now we have something called a PSMA test, which is a special type of scan, which is, has a little radioactivity attached to it, and it's an antibody, which means it's a, it's a special type of, of protein that targets the prostate cancer cell specifically. And so we start off with this, where we can look and we see if there's any cancer in other parts of the body. Now, that's usually an indication that the person needs systemic therapy that mm -hmm. their master would, could administer uh, and oversee. And, so, and those, those medicines he can talk about in more, in more depth. But sometimes 
um, sometimes we need to go a little extra and the, we can use t this targeted radionucleotide, which is basically radioactivity, in a, in a, but in a very, very safe way, we can deliver it just to the, the cancer cells. And the way that we do that is we use the same technology as that imaging test, that PSMA test, which has that antibody, which is a protein that, that looks for the prostate cancer, has a little radioactivity that we can see on imaging. Well, the difference with this, and there's a, uh, there's a drug called Plavicto, which is a very exciting new drug. And what we do is we use the same type of targeting, except the radioactivity that we attach to that antibody is, is now not for imaging, it's for treatment. And so that higher, higher dose radiation then targets that, the cancer cells, and it can really help with the systemic therapy in killing those cancer cells wherever they may be, and at the same time, not affecting any other, any other organs or other cells in the body. So it's, very, it's a, a new advance, and it actually it, it has dramatically improved survivals and, and um, what we call disease-free survival, meaning no evidence of progression of disease. So it's really been a, a major advance recently in selected patients. How do you incorporate the, the medication into, into this, Dr. Master? So uh, specifically talking about the advanced prostate cancer, um, when we have a patient who comes in with an advanced prostate cancer, as I said, um, the hormonal therapy is kind of the backbone at that time. And then we look at the patient, see what his medical problems are, age and other comorbidities. And how much is the prostate cancer affecting him? If he has a lot of cancer deposits, then we'll offer him chemotherapy. Um, if there is not a lot of disease, then we can even do hormonal therapy. That kind of adds to the effect of the uh, androgen suppression that we're already doing, you know. Uh, about, you know, 95% of the testosterone, that's kind of the fuel for the cancer, it's produced in the testicles. So we suppress that chemically. Uh, where, but when they are advanced, we can add some drugs that kind of add to the effect of that chemical castration. And uh, we can add that to the regimen. And that's what we call as castrate-sensitive disease. And there is a good response rate. All these treatments that we have, they have shown in the uh, well-controlled studies that they make people live longer with a good quality of life. One of the things with prostate cancer when they're advanced is the prostate cancer loves to go to the bones, all right? And when it goes to the bones, it hurts. And these treatments are very well directed to help control the pain because the quality of life, it's, it's very important for these patients, especially as the radio ligands that Dr. Katz was talking about. They are very helpful in controlling the bone pains that these patients might go through. How, how often do people get the advanced form of prostate cancer? Is, is this pretty common? Do you, do you all see this a lot? Well, I think it used to be more common before the PSA test. You know, before we could screen people and identify early stage disease, people didn't know they had prostate cancer until it showed up somewhere else where, mm -hmm. as Dr. Master said, it ended up in a bone and they, they either broke a bone, broke their hip, or had a lot of pain. And then, you know, it'd be investigated and say, oh, you have prostate cancer, it's already advanced, it's already spread. Um, we see less of that now because people are being really good about screening with that PSA test. And so we generally find these cancers when they're very early. So in people who are screened, it's very rare to find advanced disease. Now, sometimes people can develop advanced disease you know, after, let's say, they had initial treatment. So let's say someone had surgery and they were doing well, but the cancer hadn't came back or it had maybe been a little bit more advanced than initially thought. Unfortunately, down the road, it can sometimes progress and show up in other places. 
Um, but I would say in my practice, it's, um, you know, when I screen people, um, I would say it's, you know, sometimes I'll find locally advanced disease, but it's unusual for me to see more distant disease or metastatic disease. Now, those are the patients that I see, but Dr. Master may see a, a different population. What are you seeing in your, your practice, Dr. Master? Um, as a, I mostly, the patients come to me when they're mostly advanced, like a, uh, advanced disease. Um, and I see quite a lot of those patients, unfortunately. But, you know, um, as you know, there are about like 200,000 patients diagnosed with prostate cancer in the U.S. on an annual basis, and about 30,000 die from it. So there is a lot of prostate cancer in the community. But as long as, you know, we treat them early, catch them early and treat them early, we can cure it. When they are advanced, that's when they come to the medical oncologist. And we can offer treatments to control the cancer, control their symptoms, and make them live longer. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you guide patients in making informed decisions about their their treatment options? I'll, I'll let you go first, yeah. Dr. Katz. So that's an excellent question because when people get diagnosed, they have lots of options. And I mentioned earlier about the guidelines. You know, when patients are are, are found to have early stage disease, potentially curable disease, the standard treatments are either surgery or radiation therapy, both of which are very effective and generally they're comparable in terms of cure rates. Now, surgery is a, a big deal. You know, you have to be relatively robust. You have to have good health. Um, you have to be relatively young and, you know, and healthy and not have a lot of other uh, things that might make um, surgery a little bit more risky. But um, for those patients who either are not good candidates for surgery or opt against surgery, then they come to me and, and you know, we can, we can talk a little bit more about radiation therapy as their primary treatment. But for patients who are otherwise good surgical candidates and good radiation candidates, usually what happens is it's, we have a conversation and we say, hey, he, these, are the, uh, these are the potential benefits of doing radiation, these are the potential side effects. Surgery offers this, these potential benefits and these potential side effects. And depending upon what that person values the most, um, they may opt to go one route or the other. So it's important that patients have choices and that they're presented with the choices that they may have. And then they make that decision because, again, it's not, we don't treat cancer. We treat people with cancer, and everyone's situation is a little bit different. I've had people who, let's say, they, uh, they're a long-distance truck driver, and they can't come back and forth every day for radiation. For them, they may want to take a short period of time, be off, have surgery, recover, and then go back and work. I've had other patients who said, you know what? I don't want surgery. I like playing golf. I want to play golf every day. I want to play tennis every day. So for someone like that, they can stay active, doesn't need to interrupt their routine for them to come for treatment, and they may want to go for radiation. So it's, you know, it's oftentimes really up to the patient in terms of what is best for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me, Dr. Master, um, how, how, do you, how do you help the patients make informed decisions? I mean, does the hormone therapy make them feel bad, or what is the patient experience like? So again, in advanced prostate cancers, there are multiple treatment options available, in, ranging from chemotherapy to endocrine therapy, radio ligands, and it all depends on uh, the patient stage, aggressiveness of the disease, and as Dr. Katz was mentioning, the, the specific molecular cancer profile. Because as we have dived deep into this molecular profiles of cancer, we have found that there are certain drugs that we can use specifically for that, uh, for that patient, known as PARP inhibitors. Those are the ones that are more uh, like geared towards one kind of patients. 
So we, went, we go over the treatment regimens, side effects, schedules, and what are the things that the patient is expecting from them. Like I have some patients who have a lot of disease, but they're like, doc, I'm not gonna take chemotherapy. That's their, that's their, uh, that's their thing. And, I was like, and then we can offer the other hormonal options, maybe radioligand options. So, and we tell them, okay, these are the side effects, these are the benefits you get. This chemo or this treatment can make you live this much longer. And once we present with all the options, we make them have the best decision that fits their life. Because we want to treat the patient, not just the cancer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I like, I like that, that motto, you're treating the patient, not the cancer. Well, I mean, the, the patient with the cancer, rather. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, tell us, do you see the synergy between various advanced treatments shaping the future of prostate cancer? Yeah, you know, the, it's really the paradigm has changed a lot. You know, we used to talk about just either localized prostate cancer or distant disease. The localized prostate cancer, let's say, was the wheelhouse for the radiation oncologist. So, but once the prostate cancer had spread to other parts of the body, then it became, un, you know, then it became something that the medical oncologist would really oversee. But now we're seeing synergy. You know, we have synergy even when we're doing localized tr treatment with radiation therapy where we might incorporate hormone therapy in those more aggressive disease. But even in the setting where someone might have more advanced disease, let's say distant disease where they need chemotherapy or long-term hormonal therapy, there's also now a benefit to treating the prostate cancer, the primary prostate cancer, um, and there's a benefit to doing that even if the disease is more, is more distant. So we're actually now incorporating the radiation and the chemotherapy together. There are times when even if somebody has distant disease in just a few places, we can use radiation to, to target just those few places, allowing the chemotherapy to work better, addressing the small amounts of cancer that might be circulating, keeping it from showing up in other places while the radiation targets those areas with just a little bit more deposits. So there is a lot of synergy now between the, the chemotherapy, the systemic therapy, and the radiation therapy in both the localized disease, the more locally advanced disease, and in the distant, more advanced, uh, distant advanced disease. Yeah, there's there's so much happening with the, with this technology. Um, so remember to call in with your questions at 318-219-4569. We're more than halfway through the program, so you have time to call. And tell us, collaboration among medical professionals is vital. How do you, Dr. Master, work with other specialists to provide comprehensive care for prostate cancer patients? So uh, when we treat a patient with prostate cancer, he needs uh, a urologist, um, a radiation oncologist, and a medical oncologist. And obviously we also want to involve the primary care as well because there are other medical problems that they need to monitor during that time. So once we have a patient with a new prostate cancer, we do talk, uh, if I have a patient, I'll pick up the phone and call Dr. Katz and, or the, the urologist and see, hey, we have this patient. Um, would, would you see him would you see uh, and let's come up with the best plan that we can offer to the patient that's specific for his his needs so we do work together very closely on each uh, all the prostate cancer patients to get the best for that patient mm -hmm. and uh, dr katz it seems with the evolving landscape of prostate cancer management how do you ensure that your practice stays up to date with the latest developments yeah well that's uh that's really dependent upon the um the clinicians you know, to be conscientious enough to keep up with the literature, to, to read the studies, to 
keep up with the, the latest technologies. And you know, at Willis-Knighton, that's one of the things that we're well known for, not just locally and in the region, but nationally, that we're at the cutting edge and we keep up with all the technologies. In my own department, we've, we, um, we've always been one of the first in the country to deliver the most advanced treatment. And that started back going let's see, to early 2000, late 1990s, where we were the, one of the first places to deliver something called IMRT, or Intensity Modulated Radiation Therapy. Everything we do in radiation oncology is about targeting the tumor and, and minimizing the radiation to the surrounding structures, because that's where the side effects come in. So if we can limit the radiation, then patients have less side effects, we can give higher doses, cure more prostate cancer. So it started with, let's say, IMRT back in the late 1990s. From there, we've moved on and we've had uh, imaging that we use to, to follow the patient's prostate gland, make sure we know exactly where it is so we can be even more conformal. And then we uh, were also one of the first places in the world to get proton therapy. Now, proton therapy is a special type of radiation which instead of using photons, uses particles, subatomic particles. And it's been around, it's not new, it's been around since, I guess, 1960s, but, but not really necessarily widely available for use in treatment of prostate cancer and other cancers. Um, and so Willis-Knighton was the first place in the world to get a single-room, community-based proton therapy unit. And the advantage of proton therapy is it's very, very specific. It doesn't, it doesn't have an entrance and an exit, let's say, uh, dose of radiation like, like other types of radiation like IMRT. It is very specific in that it only goes so deep and it doesn't deliver radiation on the way in very much and doesn't deliver any radiation on the way out. So the proton therapy enables us to be that much more precise, keep the side effects down. And you know we have a commitment at Willis Knight, and we always have, to make sure that we can deliver the most advanced, uh, best radiation therapy available. And we've gotten a lot of support from our administration over the years. And so this is one of the reasons why I, I'm not originally from Shreveport, I'm, I'm from the, the, nor the um, Northeast. But one of the things that brought me down here was the fact that Willis Knighton was so committed to delivering advanced, state-of-the-art care, and it's kept that commitment the whole time I've been here. And so, this is where I'm going to stay. And then I love I love practicing here because I can offer my patients the best treatment. That's pretty amazing. And uh, Dr. Master, tell tell me how you, how you stay up to date with the latest developments. Um, about reading, I look look up the web and our medical journals. Um, obviously, talking to my colleagues also helps me. Um, so it's a way to. Uh, just reading journals. I like to teach as well, and that kind of uh, helps me keep up to date. Um, so yeah, uh, it's an ongoing process, learning every day. You know? Well, how are these advanced therapies impacting patients' quality of life? I mean, you mentioned the the proton therapy. How how do patients experience that? I mean, what do they tell you? Yeah. So uh, quality of life is everything. You know, when we're talking about treating cancer, if we treat the cancer but the person's quality of life isn't good, we haven't necessarily really done them a, a, a really a good service. So the, the, the thing about radiation in general, as I said earlier, is that we really want to minimize those side effects. Typically when we're talking about radiation side effects, we're talking about, let's say, irritation to the urinary system, say, let's say, burning on urination or, or maybe getting up a little bit more at night to urinate. Um, maybe a little more urgency. Um, and then we also, we also watch out for dose to the rectum, which might result in, let's say, some increased bowel movements and things like that. 
We have some techniques now that enable us to, to actually uh, know exactly where the prostate is every day, make sure it doesn't, you know, that if it's moving, we can see where it is. We also are able to actually kind of displace or move the rectum out of the way. And those are some things that we do just specifically in, in each particular person. And then we use the technology to avoid those other areas. And as I said, proton therapy even is even more conformal. So in my, my experience, patients have very little side effects. And again, they're, they get through and their long-term side effects are, are very minimal. During radiation, many of them don't even have any side effects at all. And so the quality of life typically is excellent both mm -hmm. short-term and long-term. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Dr. Master? What, what advances are you seeing in the endocrine side of things? So, uh, you know, we knew from a long time that this testosterone produced by the testicles is the, is the suppressing that or chemically or surgically is the backbone for the treatment. Then we have new drugs available right now that kind of goes and targets the receptor where this testosterone is supposed to work. And so that it, whatever little bit of testosterone is produced anywhere else in the body doesn't affect the patient. Uh, there are some other, other th this, these drugs are very targeted to that receptors and prevent any other side effects, but prevent the, but cause the prevention of hormonal effect of the cancer. Uh, now, uh, as I was mentioning about more of a PARP inhibitors, these are the pills that are specifically approved for patients with certain genetic mutations in their cancer or germline. And now we are combining them with the hormonal therapies, and we are seeing excellent results uh, with uh, with a good tolerance. Um, mm -hmm. So that's something very specific for that kind of a population. Um, so those are the new things in the prostate cancer that I'm very excited about. Obviously, yeah. we have the chemotherapy and the other things that we can offer. Wow. Well, this 30 minutes has gotten away from me. There's so much more we could talk about. Please come back on again so that we can cover more about these advances in prostate cancer. I've enjoyed having you both on, Dr. Katz and Dr. Master. This has been so enlightening, and uh, you guys join us again for another Healthline 3. And there you go, uh, after midday, and uh, we'll let you know when we have another Healthline. These doctors were great. Have a good one.